Hey, everybody, we got a special podcast today. We are reliving my message from the 2021 Wake Up Conference. This message was on a Friday night. It was such an honor to bring this message. It was something that had been burning in my heart for a long time before that. It's called History Belongs to the Intercessors. History Belongs to the Intercessors. My call is to to awaken the body of Christ and to motivate you to pray, vote, and engage regularly. We have to become prayer. Prayer is not just something we say. It is how we live our life. And through this message, you're going to get the theology of prayer and intercession and how it worked out in my own individual life, in the life of Christians engaged, remember our case with the IRS, and how it can work in your life to impact America. Listen to this important message and join us at the 2022 Wake Up Conference, September 23rd and 24th. Find the information on our website at christiansengage.org. See you there. Welcome to the Wake Up Conference, friends. What an amazing night. Um, What a distinct honor I have to headline after Governor Perry. Um, I don't know how that happened, but it just happened that way. God knew. You are here at the Vision Conference, the Wake Up Conference, for this purpose. This doesn't make sense to the natural mind, but we're bringing the church of Jesus Christ together. Together. Because we are at a crisis point in our nation, and this is the time that we have to unite in the spirit of John 17 and lay down all the things that disturb us. Like, you know, that person worships louder than me. You know? Or I, you know, they pray out loud. I don't, I pray in my heart. Let's get over all that and remember that America is important, and we are here in this moment in history for such a time as this. So just know, this is just the beginning. Wait till tomorrow. You do not want to miss tomorrow. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's holding up Congressman Cloud from being here, but he'll be here in the morning. It'll just be a little later in the schedule. So we're excited. Um, I wanted to start out with just giving you a little bit of an overview of Christians Engaged. If you're new to this little tribe, um, we are the church. Can you tell? We're not a political movement. We are a church movement. Um, But we know most of our board of directors and our leaders have walked in government and politics for years. Uh, You know, we know how things work. We kind of know how Austin works. We know how Washington, D.C. works. We know how to talk to our elected officials. Many of us have served in volunteer positions in different political movements around the state. But we understand that God is awaking his church in this moment. Right? He's awakening his church, drawing us to himself, and impacting, he wants us to impact our nation. That is why Christians Engaged was created. And we identified three areas that we feel like the church is weak in, but the church can get stronger in. Right? Sounds so simple. It's not rocket science. It's pray, vote, and engage. Change America. Pray, vote, and engage change America. Pray. We don't just start with prayer because it's a spiritual buzzword or because we think people will think that we're spiritual if we say we pray. We actually believe that prayer works. 
we actually believe the truth of the word of God. And, you know, I might be teaching on that tonight. We also believe that voting is an important part of our civic duty. We believe the church has a voice and that we are called to go to the ballot box and take our values and our biblical values with us when we go. I like to say, let's take Jesus to the ballot box. Let's not leave him at the 100-foot marker and go in and vote however we think in the moment, right? And then we want to help you engage in the culture, specifically for our purposes in Christians Engages, our civic duties, um, looking at the problems within our city, our state, and our nation, identifying those problems, and following God into that place of leadership in those places, right? When we started Christians Engaged, there was a scripture that popped off the page for me. It was Romans 13, 11, and it says this, do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Let me read it again. I don't know if y'all got that. Do this knowing that it's high time. Can you say high time? To awake out of sleep. Thank you for the audience participation. Sorry, I'm a preacher's kid. You know, I need some feedback here. Uh, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I believe Jesus is coming back soon. Anybody in this room believe that? So our mandate for Christians Engage is this. Go find the Awakening Church and plug them into simple habits of prayer, voting, and engagement. Uh, my personal mandate from the Lord since I was 13 years old is as a young Bible school student to disciple the nations. Uh, I want to thank uh, Dr. Dennis and Ginger Lindsay from Christ for the Nations being here tonight. Um, they imported so much into my life as an 18 and a 19-year-old that we have a call to disciple the nations where we live. And so, you know, everything I've done, whether it's pastoring with my husband in a little house church, writing discipleship books, leading worship, walking beside crazy members of Congress and elected officials and county commissioners and state legislatures, some of them you're going to meet tomorrow, has always been to help people walk and know God and fulfill the call of God on their life in this arena, right? That's why you're here tonight. Christians Engage was born, and why we are here is to help engage the Awakening Church, gather you, and educate you to empower you to go out and change the world, right? And so we actually believe that Christians should vote in every election. We believe that you should know your elected officials. You should, you're, you should know your member of Congress, your state senator, your state rep. Um, but this is one thing that the Awakening Church has in common. We understand there is a problem. There is a problem. And this does not mean that, that it's based just on who's in the White House. Uh, we launched this ministry in December 2019, before 2020, with a different person in the White House. But there's a problem systemic in our, in our culture, in this country, where we're not taking ownership of who we are in Christ. Christians are not ready to suffer and experience persecution, my friends. Um, we, have, <laughs> we are discerning that things are not right. We see our families are falling apart. Our children are suffering. Tyranny is crouching at our door and has walked in in bold daylight. 
we're having nervous breakdowns over vaccine mandates. I, I know I fell apart in my kitchen because some of my dearest friends are being impacted by mandates, right? Governments coming into our life and affecting our life, and what are we doing about it? We have huge problems in this nation that overwhelm people. They overwhelm us. So how do we cut it down to simple things that we can all understand and that we can all do? Consider this the on-ramp to your civic engagement. Pray, vote, and engage. So when I took this little tool called the pledge, which you all got tonight, if you haven't already taken the pledge, I invite you to take the pledge to pray once a week for five minutes a week for your nation, to vote in every election, and to engage your heart in some sort of civic involvement and duties. When I took this pledge to my dear friend, Tracy Bradford, who led Texas Eagle Forum, she was the president, and I was her consultant for Eagle Forum, and I said, Tracy, I got this crazy idea. We got to cut this down to simple terms for Christians and help them pray, vote, and engage. I want to send a prayer text every Monday to remind them to pray for their nation, their state, their city. We want to help them vote in every election, get them text messages to remind them to vote in primary elections, constitutional amendment elections, all these elections, city elections, all these elections that nobody pays attention to. I was really excited because I don't know if y'all knew, I've been saying for the last couple years, if you vote in every election in Texas, you're now in the top 2% of all Texans. Because that's how many people vote in the constitutional amendment elections. Hey, I don't know if we had any impact statewide, but 5% of Texans voting in the Texas constitutional amendment elections <laughs> this week. So maybe we're having some impact, I don't know, or maybe other people are too. But when I took this idea to Tracy, she affirmed it, she believed in it, and she became the vice president of Christians Engage. Um, she has recently stepped away to run for higher office. She's running for lieutenant governor, but I want to honor Tracy Bradford right now. Tracy, will you stand up? Thank you. So pray, vote, engage. Take the pledge. Make sure you turn that card in. If you haven't already taken the pledge or do it on your phone, but we want to help you pray, vote, and engage regularly. This is our other message to the body of Christ. What does America need in this hour, this moment in history? Sounds like a very simple question. I'm going to answer that question for you. It's you. America needs your heart, your involvement, your participation. That's what America needs right now. The founders of this republic gave us a gift, and we have a responsibility to protect it and to keep it. You know, we're in 2021. 245 years we have stood as a republic, a democratic republic. Um, in five years, we will celebrate our 250th birthday as a nation the only democratic republic in history that has survived this long. In five years, we will celebrate that accomplishment. But let me tell you, America is at a crisis point. And we have to all remember what the founders gave us and take responsibility for it in our own lives, our families, and our communities. So let's go back to the basics, can you? Let's just dive right in to the basics of what these weak places for the church are. 
do we really prioritize prayer? Do we really prioritize this communion with God in our churches, our families, in our individual lives? Um, we talk about prayer. We say that prayer is important. We all pat each other on the back. I'm praying for you, sister. I'm praying for you, brother. But how much time do we actually give to prayer in our lives and the lives of our churches? How many prayer meetings do you have going on in your church? And how many people show up to it? Is it five or a hundred, right? And, and I think part of the problem is there is so much unbelief as it relates to prayer, which I'm hoping to break off of you tonight. There's so much unbelief that we think that it really doesn't matter. Like our prayers are just hitting some ceiling and some big God up in heaven is, you know, thinking about what we said. But let me, know, let me tell you, prayer changes everything. It changes everything in our life. And if we believed it, we would see it. Um, I read a quote from Ian e. Bounds, the famous Methodist Episcopal pastor in the early 1900s, who, whose works on prayer were not even published till after his death. It said, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil, the prayers of God's saints are the capital stock of heaven. Let me read that again. The prayers of God's saints are the capital stock of heaven by which God carries on his great work through earth. God conditions the very life and prosperity of his cause in prayer. Powerful quote. Now, I want you to see these pictures of the golden bowls of incense in heaven. Why is this important? Because in, in Revelation 5.8, it talks about these golden bowls of prayer and incense, the prayers of the saints, as an incense before the Lord. These bowls are holding the prayers of the saints. What that means to me is prayer is a real commodity. Rare Prayer is a real commodity. It's a commodity of heaven. Things that we don't think about or think that matter, it matters to God. He hears our prayers. So what is prayer in essence and what is intercession? Prayer is simply this. It's talking to God. It's talking to God. Intercession, that sounds like such a spiritual word, right? But interceding means to go or pass between, to act between parties with a view to reconcile those who differ or contend to mediate. Like a lawyer intercedes for his clients in a court of law, like an assistant carrying out the orders of her boss and becoming the go-between between him and those other employees to get his will done, intercession is delegation. It is authority through representation. It's really simple. Christ became our greatest example of intercession as he became our mediator, the going between representing God to the simple humanity. He was born. He was raised as a child, right? He grew up a sinless life. Then he died and he was buried and he was re resurrected. Important to understand is that Christ's intercession is in keeping with its, his, the literal meaning of intercession. It was not just a prayer he prayed, but a work of mediation that he did. He performed 
intercession for us, for his people. And what I need you to understand tonight is that's what he's called us to do. He's called us to be those mediators, that reconcilers, those people that stand in the gap for this nation, in this moment, in this generation, right? So I want to take us on a little journey for a second. I want to go to one of my favorite chapters, um, Isaiah 59. And I want you to see, sorry, I'm a Bible teacher, so y'all give me a little grace. Um, We got to read some Bible tonight. Isaiah 59 is all hell's breaking loose in Israel. It is awful. It is an awful place to be. Things are happening. And I want you to just, I'm going to read the first eight verses so you kind of see how bad this situation looks. And I want you to parallel that with what's happening right now in our nation. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Any lies going on right now? Your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web. Man, that's pretty bad. So he eats of their eggs, dies, and that which he crushed a viper breaks up. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the violence, act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil. They run to evil. They make haste to shed innocent blood. That's happening. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their path, the way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. Okay, that sounds pretty bad, right? Any parallels to where we are? But I want you to skip through, and you should totally spend a lot of time in Isaiah 59, 60, and 61. It's kind of where I've been living during 2020 and 2021. But all of a sudden, in verse 15, here is the antidote. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil brings him, makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. There was no one that would stand in the gap for this land that was in destruction. Therefore... His own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, according he will repay. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, and coastlands he will fully repay. And I'll stop there. I want you to get this picture. Jesus, this is a prophetic scripture, by the way, of what was going to happen. The Messiah was going to come. The Messiah was going to come and put himself in that gap to reconcile us to him. 
And he was doing that for the people of Israel. He made himself that intercession. And we likewise here are the hands and feet of Christ. We are the light and the salt, right? He spoke about that all throughout the Gospels. So we take on the, gospel, the, the character of Jesus and we become his intercessor. He calls us into that place and destiny with him. So how does this work out in our life? You're like, mm, I don't know, bunny. I'm tracking with you. I get it. I get we're in destruction. I get that we need to do something. But this feels like, I don't know, not practical enough. Well, it is practical. It's very, very practical. Because we see, we, act, we ask, we act, and we do all of that through love. Let me break this down for you. Um, we carry the burden of the Lord. You all are here at the wake-up conference because you are seeing something. Is anybody seeing anything that's happening in the country right now? You're seeing something, and there's a burden from the Lord that's actually part of the DNA of who we are as believers. And then we pray, we ask him, we respond to that burden, right? And then we become partners with him on the earth. We act. We become sometimes the answers to our own prayers. And in all of this, all of this is done because we love. We love. That's part of who we are. Can I get a name in church? Because God is love. And God's love makes us act because we love. So I want to share just a few little stories, snippets of how this worked out in my own life. Um, as Gina said, I ran for Congress in 2018. Um, I want to take you back before that. In October 2017, I took a whole bunch of my Romanian students at Christ for the Nations and our kids to a prayer gathering on the National Mall called The Call. I just felt like we had to be there. I had never gone to one of those in Washington, D.C. ever before. But we went. We got on a plane, went there. It was amazing. Um, this is one of the pictures I took of the Capitol at that prayer meeting. So from 8 to 4 in the rain most of the day, over 50,000 people stood on the National Mall and cried out to God for our republic. We prayed for the, for the um, pre-born we prayed for the ending of abortion in our generation. Matt Schaefer will talk about that tomorrow. We prayed for reconciliation among the races. We prayed for God to move in the Supreme Court, in the executive branch, in the legislative branch. We cried out to God and said, God, move in our nation. I get home. A month later, my boss of 10 years, Congressman Henserling, announces his retirement from Congress. And we couldn't find a candidate. And all of a sudden, I felt that burden that I was just talking about. I felt that burden so deep um, that I couldn't get away from it. And I knew that I had to do something. I had to run for Congress. I, that love propelled me to run and to get into that race, something I had never considered in my entire life or ever wanted to do. In essence, I became prayer. I became the answer to my own prayer. Now, I'd never thought about running for Congress, so I had to do a couple crazy things. Oh, I forgot my cup, but I had my cup. Um, I went online. Okay, this is how crazy I am. Just get ready. I went online, and I figured out where I was going to live. 
So I'm going to live in the U.S. Capitol, and I'm going, this is where my office is probably going to be in Rayburn Building. And so I needed to know kind of what was around there. So I figured out where the Justice House of Prayer was because I need prayer and worship. And then I figured out where Trader Joe's was because that's essential to life, right? And I mapped it all out, and I figured, okay, I'm going to live here in this apartment, in this condominium, because I can walk there, and I won't have to have a car because I'm fiscally conservative. And um, so I had this all planned out, and I bought this cup from Justice House of Prayer in D.C., and it said, history belongs to the intercessor. And I drank from this cup almost every day while I was running for Congress. I would get up at 5 a.m., I would run around seven counties, I would raise a million dollars. It was insane season of my life. And I scoped out the land and I realized that I needed to do this for my own life and for this district. Now, fast forward a little bit later, um, I'm doing my first fundraiser in Canton, Texas. Anybody like East Texas? I love East Texas. Woo! And I'm out in Canton, Texas. These guys know me. They've walked with me. They've known me for a long time. But there's about 50 people in this room. And all of a sudden, I have to step up and I have to say, you know, I've been the campaign manager for years, but now you need to vote for me. I'm the person with the vision. I'm the one that knows public policy. I'm the one that you need to vote for. And it was, you know, it was hard. It's my first major coming out party as a candidate. And, you know, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to hold it together here. I'm going to be really professional. I got up on the mic. The, the chairman of the county introduced me. And then I said, on the mic, I said, hi, I'm Bunny. What you need to know about me is that I love you. I love this district, I love this nation, and I love you, the people of the 5th District of Texas. And I thought, oh, man, what did I do? I just, like, blabbed out this love stuff, you know, in a congressional speech. What in the world? My consultant's over there laughing. <laughs> but this burly guy comes up to me at the end of this. At the end of the fundraiser, he writes me a check. And he said, listen, I have never been involved politically. I've never supported a candidate. I don't even know if they can really make a difference. But you had me at hello. He said, who says that stuff? Who comes up to a mic as a congressional candidate and say, hey, I love you? <laughs> and I'll tell you, guys, you know, Though that race did not turn out successful, and praise God it didn't, I'm so glad I'm not in the swamp and I'm with you. You know, God inspires people. I know, you can clap for that. Please clap that I'm not in the swamp. Amen. God inspires people through these simple acts of obedience. And so all these letters came in from around the state, young women that were inspired that a woman conservative would run for Congress. I had a one letter from a guy that said, I've never been involved at all. You inspired me. I'm totally going to get involved. I'm going to do great things. Um, we had a woman named Amanda Goodman in Forney, Texas with cerebral palsy that showed up at the polls and put my signs on both sides of her wheelchair and sat there all day during the runoff waiting for somebody to say, vote for Bunny Pounds, right? Our obedience causes other people to follow in our wake. We become pioneers. We become people that go out on the front lines and cause people to move after us, right? And I found this quote, history belongs to the intercessors. 
those who believe and pray the future into being. If this is so, then intercession, far from being an escape from action, is a means of focusing for focus and of, and of creating action. So let me break this down even further. Why do we have to ask God for anything? He's sovereign, right? He's sovereign. He can do anything. He can change the presidency. He can do all these things, right? We don't have to do anything. He just does it. Let me just say this. Jesus said, you ask that you receive that your joy would be full, right? He said, ask, seek, and knock. Why did he want us to ask so that we would receive? Let me just tell you, it's all a trick. It's a complete trick that you get to walk with him. He could do it all himself, but he invites us into relationship with him. He invites us into this place of intimacy with him where when we speak and we agree with his heart, he moves. What an incredible privilege that we have to ask him for anything. It's a complete trick. And I'm so thankful that he tricks us into this place called prayer. Now, what do intercessors actually do? Let's go here. This is just basic. I'm going to give you three points. Intercessors remind God of his promises. This is not very complicated. You open your Bible. Anybody have one of these still in print form? You open your Bible and you open the book of Psalms. We do that every Monday morning with Christians Engaged. You should join us. We open the epistles, we open the gospels, we read the prayers of Jesus, and we find his heart, and we agree with him, and we pray those prayers back to him. It's not that complicated. Or you just share your heart with him about what you're feeling. You're watching Fox News, you're watching CNN, and you want to throw something at the TV. Anybody feel that? You know, that's probably a sign that you need to pray, right? Intercessors remind God of his promises. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night, they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Point two, intercessors take up the case of justice before God on behalf of another. As we read in Isaiah 59, there was no justice. So who's going to stand in the gap for justice? Again, Isaiah 59. Yes, truth is lacking, and he who turns aside from evil makes himself a prey. Now the Lord saw, and it was displeasing on his sight that there was no justice. And he saw that there was no man and was astonished that there was no one to intercede. Who is going to stand up right now for justice? I know I'm extremely burdened as I read the newspapers about what's happening in the foster care system right now. Kids sleeping in their offices, in office buildings, because there's not enough foster care families to take them in. You know, what is happening with the unborn? We're fighting over some, some special, uh, special thing to protect, protect the unborn that has a right to live. You know, the Bible talks about how we were fearfully and wonderfully made. 
There are causes to pick up. There is justice that needs to be enacted on the earth. And who's going to do that but the intercessors? Intercessors stand in the gap between God's righteous judgment, which is due, and the need for mercy on people's behalf. Ezekiel 22, I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land that it should not destroy it, but I found no one. Thus I was pouring, I had poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their way has brought upon their heads, declared the Lord. Now we see this in example form in the life of David. I mean, life of Daniel, sorry. Daniel lived in Babylon. He served a king. You know the Bible is very political, by the way? I'm going to write a book on political leaders of the Bible. The prophet Daniel is standing here in this place of authority in a very political job, working with the king. And he's led, and he's, he's led to pray and intercede over a matter of national importance. And 21 days later, an angel arrives with an answer from heaven. However, we see in Daniel 10 that it was revealed that the answer to his prayers had been immediately dis- dispatched on day one. But a big demonic principality over that part of the world had withstood the answer all that time. Daniel's 21-day fast was a divine partnership with God to see his purposes come and be manifest on the earth. Let me say this. The true nature of intercession is sacrifice. Reese Howes would point out there's a big difference between prayer warriors and intercessors. Prayer warriors may pray with great intensity, yet walk away before the job is done. But intercessors take responsibility to see things through regardless of how long it takes. Amen. That means we're in this for the long haul, my friends. You thought you just came, you're the Awakening Church, you're coming to a conference, um, you're going to get somehow involved with your civic duties. Um, May I draft you forever to not leave this fight? Many of us in this room started out as little precinct chairs or, you know, going to a state convention for a Republican or Democratic Party, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm the national platform person with David Barton for the state of Texas. You never know where that's going to lead, right? So how does God use these little acts of obedience by little people or little organizations like Christians Engaged? Well, God allowed the IRS to deny our tax-exempt status. Praise the Lord. They, as Lathan said so eloquently, I will not rehash our story in great detail, but I will just say this. They denied it in writing and said Bible, biblical teachings are affiliated, typically affiliated with the Republican Party. Why? Because we teach on the sanctity of human life, biblical marriage, biblical justice, taxation and debt as it relates to our, the Bible and what it has to say with that. And therefore, in their estimation, in the IRS's estimation, this was partisan speech. What? But God. But God. Thankfully, we have these great friends named First Liberty that you all should sign up for their email list. And they took this case pro bono, and what the enemy meant for evil 
like an IRS denial, God used to awaken the church in this nation. The beauty of this story is that thousands of people heard about what was happening with Christians engaged, and all of a sudden, what's my mandate from the Lord? Find the awakening church. They're being awakened. What in the heck is the IRS doing? How can they go after this little nonprofit in Texas? Well, if you don't wake up, it's high time to awake out of sleep. Something bad might happen. Charlie Kirk said this is the most important case that America should be paying attention to. Why? Because it would have affected every ministry and every church in America if this had stood. So thankfully, our beautiful board of directors, will you please stand up? Board of Directors of Christians Engage, if you're in the room, please stand up. Give them a hand. took this fight on knowing that it could impact their businesses, their livelihoods. And this is what is so important about this story and why it's important for America to hear it now. We hear all the bad news. We don't hear the victory stories so many times. I thought it was significant. We had this conference already booked before all that happened. James Robinson had already agreed to come. Rick Garrett Perry had already agreed to come. And here we are now and being targeted by the IRS. But thousands of people started praying all over this nation. They started emailing me. I'm praying. I heard you on the radio. We heard you on a podcast. We heard you on Ali Beth. We heard you this way. They started praying. People started sending us Notes saying, we're writing letters to the IRS and to our congressmen. You know, one guy sent me an email. He says, I'm writing an angry letter to the IRS right now. And I said, please do it in the spirit of Christ. Please. And then great representatives who stand in the gap for their people saw that freedom might be in jeopardy. And they stood up and wrote a letter to the IRS commissioner and the Treasury Department. And, you know, the republic worked. And 21 days later, did you catch that? 21 days later, the people of God had prayed from the beginning, but 21 days later, we got our acceptance letter from the IRS, and they called me and apologized on behalf of the Eternal Revenue Service. <laughs> I do not think it was insignificant that it was 21 days. When I actually wrote the story out for the stream, it caught my head. I was like, 21 days. I think that's Daniel 10. Wow. So even what seems insignificant, this little tiny nonprofit, this little tiny ministry called Christians Engage that just started in Texas, God used it because we became the mediators to protect the rest of America and the rest of the church in this country. By the way, we've been in 65 churches around Texas, Christians engaged, engaging the church to pray, vote, and engage in the short time that we've been in this ministry. Dutch Sheet says, intercessory prayer is an extension of the ministry of Jesus through his body, the church, whereby we mediate between God and humanity for the purpose of reconciling the world to him or between Satan and humanity for the purpose of enforcing the victory of Calvary. Another definition says an, an intercessor is one who relentlessly, relentlessly reminds the Lord of his promises while identifying the needs for justice in their generation. 
So my question to you tonight is, are you an intercessor for America? And I know some of you are instantly saying no. No, I'm not one of those women that pray in their closet for five hours a day. That's not me, Bunny. Let me just say, I live a very, very busy life. My family and friends know that. And I don't consider myself one of those intercessors. I consider myself a very busy intercessor. Why? Because all of us are called to be intercessors. All of us are called to some extent to realize God placed me here in 2021 in Garland, Texas, in this generation. I wasn't born to be a disciple of Jesus when he walked the earth. No, I was born in this moment in history, five years from the birthday of our republic turning 250 years old for such a time as this. That's why you're here this weekend. That's why we're going to empower you. You do not want to miss the next three meetings. I guarantee you it's going to be much better than even me. But we are all called as ministers of reconciliation. And I want to read you one of my favorite verses for my life. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I hope that's everyone in this room. If not, we would love to introduce you to that new creation life. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, can you say us, the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. God's pleading through us, saying, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. America, in this moment, in this time in history, in this generation, please be reconciled to God. That's our message in this hour, and that's what all of us should be carrying to our grocery stores, to our city council meetings, to our chamber of commerce, to the halls of Congress, to our elected officials' offices. We should all be carrying that message. That's who we are as a church. Amen? So history belongs to the intercessors, and it's time for us to go change the world together. It's time for us to change the world together. So I want to end this evening with just a couple things for us to talk to the Lord about in our own hearts. Um, First of all, um, Clayton's going to sing some more, and you can leave or you can stay. It doesn't matter. But I want to give you some time because why we're mixing prayer, worship, education, and inspiration, because you can hear all the right things, but if you don't process it with God, you're never going to impact the world. I like to say, if you're not walking with God, you have nothing to give America. So I want to give you an opportunity to talk to God 
with one of my favorite songs. We already sang it to honor you. About this moment and your call in this country right now, right? We all need to go to a deeper relationship with God. When I talked about prayer, it's not about time. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. It's about recognizing that we need him. It's about recognizing that we have to have him. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will see God. I remember when I first really had revelation of that scripture, God, I said, I work for members of Congress. How do I be poor in spirit? He said, you have need of me. You have to have need of me. You have to realize you can't do this on your own. So some of you came in this room and you're like, this is not what I was expecting. I'll tell you that. But you finally are getting some language to what is happening in your heart right now. There's a burden happening for you for America. And you might not have ever heard a message like this, but all of a sudden things are clicking in you. This is who I really am. This is why I feel this burden to go to my city council meeting. This is why I feel a burden to get civically involved. This is why I want to learn how to pray, vote, and engage. Um, let me just say, you found your tribe. I hope you found your tribe. And we would love to help you in that journey, mentor you in that journey, walk beside you as political pastors to push you into your destiny on the front lines of this battle. Some of you need to just sit in that and know that you've come to the right place. Some of y'all are, I hope you're coming back tomorrow, but some of y'all might walk out of this room and not come back tomorrow. And let me tell you that we need you. We need you in this movement. We need you to help us awaken the church. Um, I took a tremendous pay cut to do this. I've never been happier. I've never been happier to get to stand in pulpits, to be with my friends Rafael Cruz and Congressman Michael Cloud and go into churches around Texas and see people's faces light up, that we've come and answered the heart cry of their hearts because they're knowing that America's in crisis. They just don't know what to do about it. And we're coming in and we're saying, we'll help you. We'll teach you through our on-ramp to civic engagement. We'll teach you through our Austin 101 class. We'll teach you through our podcasts and our articles. We want to help you. Some of you in this room are supposed to help us fund this ministry. What Lathan didn't tell you is when I called First Liberty, we had $7,000 in the bank. And I was like, uh, my attorney is saying this is going to cost fifteen to 20000 I don't know where this money is coming from. I'm working a full-time job as a campaign manager for U.S. Congressman Michael Cloud to pay the bills so that I can get this ministry off the reservation <laughs> and get it moving. Where is this money coming from? And First Liberty took that case. And a month later, we had $80,000 in the bank. And I quit my job. And God's continually meeting us by faith every month. We have a new executive director next year in 2022. We want a part-time outreach director because we've got area leaders and volunteers all over the state that might not ever get involved with a political party, but they get this and they want to register voters in their community. They want to help people pray, vote, engage, and get them into our system. We need more personnel. We need more help. We need to blow this up. We have a couple here from Pennsylvania and we're probably going to launch in Pennsylvania in January 2022.
Christians around America are waking up. We can't sit on the sidelines any longer. God is breaking down walls between denominations, races, and generations and uniting us around a mission of prayer and action for the nation that we love. You have to join us on September 23rd and 24th in Dallas-Fort Worth at the 2022 Wake Up Conference. You can see all the information on our conference website, thececonference.org, thececonference.org, or go to christiansengage.org. It's on the homepage as well. Grab your tickets today. Don't forget to come. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Conversations with Christians Engaged. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't ever miss an episode. Also, please review it and share it with your friends. The easiest way to connect with us is to take the pledge on our website at christiansengage.org. There you can sign up for our weekly prayer text, our bi-weekly emails, and our voting reminders. Christians Engaged is supported by individuals just like you. Would you consider helping us with a monthly donation or a one-time gift? You can do that quickly at christiansengaged.org. What does America need in this hour? America needs you. We are here to serve you and encourage you as you impact your communities. Let's be Christians engaged for the well-being of our nation.